Nick Pierce is a 25-year-old on the move. He is the co-founder of Conscious Creative, which includes initiatives such as Homeless in Melbourne, a photographic interview series with some of Melbourne's most vulnerable people, and Homie, a socially conscious streetwear label. We chat with Nick about perceptions of homelessness in Australia, why rough sleeping is a misleading term, and how empowering disadvantaged young Australians helps us all. Most of all, it is just another chance for a bloody good conversation. Join us here on Generation Balm. Once again, we're back uh, at the uh, Punt Road Oval Studios in Richmond. I'm here with uh, the man with the most, Neil Balm. Uh, Neil, as, as I've got the keys of the door, that's about all I've got. I know, I know, but we're surrounded by speakers, we're surrounded by a large audience today, but uh, we love the Pun Road Oval Studios, don't we? We do. <laughs> uh, I suppose in terms of uh, what we're talking about today, um, I've just moved moved out to, to Footscray. Do you remember when you first uh, moved out of out of home and got your own place? It's a long time, it's a long time ago for me. Um, yeah, well, I do. Yeah. Um, Bachelor of Had. All happening. Oh, I'd rather not say too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That, well, that, that just defeats the purpose of asking in the first place. No, it was, actually, it was, um, it was in Fraser Street, um, Richmond, uh, which, you know, the flat is still there, and it's probably the worst <laughs> the worst flat in Richmond, I reckon. Well, but still, it was a good place to start. Well, I think I'm in one of the closest to the worst flats in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that actually brings us to our, our special guest today. we got... Uh, Nick Pierce, who's the co-founder of Homie, but uh, how would you describe what you do and, and who you are? Uh, yeah, thanks for having us, obviously, in the wonderful <laughs> facilities, and uh, say hello to the audience as well. But uh, yeah, so um, we uh, run a streetwear clothing social enterprise called Homie, um, and we sort of work towards building confidence and job skills for, for young people who are at risk experiencing homelessness, and create pathways out of homelessness, um, and focusing on employment majorly. Um, so yeah, we sell clothing, and then we try and give jobs to young people who deserve them. So how do you, you get into that field and... Start home um, and almost, almost fell into um, homie to be honest. It's certainly something that I didn't envisage and I, I didn't know a lot about uh, homelessness and such until about three years ago. And now I'm not an expert by any means, but I've had three years of experience you know, around the sector, so um, I've learned a lot. But um, initially, it actually started through a fundraising bike ride with, with Marcus, uh, one of the co founders, uh, riding from Vietnam to Cambodia, uh, raising funds and awareness for anti child trafficking, um, which is a cause that just you know, resonated with us. We just, you know, it's such a foreign concept almost mm-hmm. living here in Melbourne. Um, but we, we rode um, yeah, from Vietnam to Cambodia. It was an awesome trip about, I think it was about a thousand K in a week. So it wasn't you know, that arduous That's as such, but it was um, significant. Yeah, it was really, <laughs> a really, really beautiful you know, place. I mean, the country's just amazing and just the best way to see it. But um, we were raising funds and awareness for just this, this one school in a very remote region of, of Cambodia, about 40 students. So I think the thing I liked about that the most is just the tangibility of it, was being able to actually see and feel the impact. And then I think we raised around $40,000. I actually, got a, I've got a tattoo of bicycle on my bottom to commemorate that trip. Uh, it was part of the sort of, if you go out donate some money, then I'll do that. But um, it was one of those things that, um, yeah, I, I guess we just really liked sort of the transparency of it. And then wanted to do something like that back home, trying to replicate something. Um, and it didn't have to be this grand exercise. So what did it do for the cause there was to stop trafficking or whatever? Yes, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, how did you help that? Do you, yeah, have you a, got a tangible yeah, it's really, outcome to it? Really good. Um, it's really good. And, and the logic and I think the common sense behind the actual the funds and, and, and where they were allocated is really important. So it actually went largely towards the salaries of the teachers in these remote schools. Because what happens in these areas is that a really great teacher will get pulled into the city. So it's actually because otherwise when there isn't you know, a point of call for these people to go to, these young people and their families and you know, that sort of routine as such, that's where the vulnerability can come up. So it was actually retaining the talent, but obviously upgrading the facilities. So I went back the next year and saw a brand new soccer pitch and new uniforms. But I like the logic of that. I thought that was really, mm. it's common sense almost. It's like, well, that, that's great. You keep the good teachers and the, you know, the students will follow. So um, that's what the funds went towards. And I really liked that. It was different. You know, people would think it goes towards some sort of black ops, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that, I mean, that's, we'll talk a bit about uh, homelessness and that because it's a really interesting subject. It's so close. Mm. I mean, there's so much stuff around charities and charitable organisation and you know, raising money for all these good things. Mm. But then the suspicious mind says, how much of it gets there? And then, yeah. then you hear that, you know, we, we know that it does cost a lot of money to run a lot of the functions they do, etc. But Absolutely. So you must have a commercial need within all this yourself. Like, yes. So, and again, I'm not 
challenging one. No, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so how, how does that work? Yeah, cool. Particularly with the shops. So, yeah, so our model, um, so we are registered NFP. Um, so there's a lot of regulatory bodies as such. Um, and we're, we're actually a company limited by guarantee, which ensures that we can facilitate our work, hopefully in other states as well. But right now we're based in Melbourne. But some, an important thing to notice that in our constitution, um, 100% of the profits are allocated towards the social impact programs of community. Um, and our focus is on in poverty institution, but more specifically, it's, it's homelessness. So um, we have a board of directors that none can profiteer. Um, we all have a $1 share. Essentially, when you're a, a member of a board um, for a not-for-profit, um, there's extreme liability, which is really good because it makes sure that there's great accountability. So we obviously incur costs as a business. You know, we have to buy our clothing, pay for rent to the shop, we remunerate our staff, and that's really important because I'll talk about, you know, why that is such a focus for us. Um, Twofold, because we want to retain and, and, and attract the best talent to work in this space, but also because a majority of our staff um, are becoming these young people who are at risk of experiencing homelessness. Yeah. So um, it's a really good thing to be able to advocate funding. But the question stuff. is, what do you pay yourself? So what do I pay myself? So <laughs> I, uh, so I actually, uh, I don't get to pay myself as such. The board of directors um, uh, allocate a sum that they deem to be fair and reasonable. Um, well, that's, the nasty, that's the last nasty question I'll ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is but one of those things that it, it, I, can, I can definitely say that it's well below market rate. Yeah. Um, you know, there are industry standards as such. There's, and we call, we remunerate our staff on a homey rate. There's not for profit rate. We're still behind the eight ball on that because there's obviously far bigger organisations than us. And then there's the market rate. So um, it's one of those things that you take a big concession, obviously, to do the work. Hmm. But it's enough to pay the rent for us as well to make sure we're in, in that situation. Um, and also to keep us motivated to you know, do the best things possible. So, so your impact, in a way, is to give some of these people jobs, which obviously helps their you know, possibilities of finding somewhere to live, etc. So what, yep. what, what, what impact do you think you make? So I think um, for us, it's, it's, it's certainly not a... It's very qualitative. I talk about, um, you know, rather than buying a house as such, if you're supporting a, um, a model like homing, you're actually supporting what's going on in the home, you're supporting the family. Um, and, and the comfort as such. But, but I, I guess the most important thing is that we collaborate with, um, you know, I guess industry professionals, um, support services that, that have, you know, the qualifications and whatnot that we, that we don't. And we work in a really collaborative manner to ensure that this, each young person that we engage with has a, we do six months internships at our, at our shop. And we've actually just recently expanded that out to um, provide employment and facilitate that through Cotton On, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So some more young people getting positions there. Essentially, um, it's one of those living, learning, and earning sort of type models where you're, you're equipping them with the skills, you know, a really great wage as well. Casual wardrobes these days are pretty, pretty tidy. Um, and essentially, it's just that investment in that person. It really is, you know, there's the Cert 3 and retail we deliver, but it's actually the intangibles. It's the self-confidence. It's, yeah. it's giving them yeah. responsibility, giving them accountability, especially when a lot of these people, it's, it's their first time working. Um, there's unfortunately a real misconception around and, and almost hesitation from employers there's an assumption that this person's going to be untrustworthy because yeah, they might come from this place. Yeah. They might take some cash from the till. I can wholeheartedly say it absolutely hasn't been the case. Um, we've successfully had, um, in the last year, six young people, and we've only taken six who have graduated our program, and they've gone on to maintain meaningful employment in other workplaces, which is awesome. One's even become a manager at a cotton on store, which is fantastic. One got a job at Apple, um, and they had to um, go through five interviews, you know, and previously didn't have a whole lot of work experience. So... It's one of those things where home is a real launch pad to set someone on their way to becoming, I'm going to use the word, self-sufficiency. That's how we can actually counter this issue of, of homelessness and think about if we can get each young person to a point or each person who's at risk of vulnerable experience of homelessness, like self-sufficiency, paying their bills, you know, looking after themselves, going to their appointments, all those things yeah, that, that, that we that's do. That's the outcome. It's not, it's not just the homelessness piece, it's, it's actually helping. Oh, and the happy and all, all the things that cause that you're trying to help. Which Absolutely, is, and address the root causes. Yeah. So our program, we focus on young people experiencing homelessness. I'll talk about um, why we decided to focus on that demographic, but essentially it's one of those things where it's an, it's an early detection and intervention leads to prevention, so that we won't actually have you know, X amount of numbers of people who are living rough on the streets. We're trying to make sure we nip in the buff before it gets there. The solution to housing is often spoke of as, um, oh, sorry, homeless and my apologies, this is housing. But um, people can't support housing without having, you know, means to actually do so. So we, we work on that side of things, you know, get people into careers so that they can get to that self-sufficiency and, you know, live in safe mm -hmm. accommodation. I suppose in terms of um, attitudes that you've sort of brought into before you started homey, I think before that there was the Instagram page. Oh, yes, the Facebook page, yeah. Facebook page. Melbourne, yeah. That's yeah. right, which is all about the hum humanisation. Yeah, yes, yeah, definitely. So that's from the, I guess, I can 
segue yeah, into that from yeah. the bike ride that we did, it was actually wanted to do something back home that was, you know, as I said, didn't have to be this grand jar thing, but, but really, I guess, an exercise where we were curious about homelessness. Um, and, and once we fed our curiosity, it really challenged preconceived notions that we held. We used to walk past people who were living rough and make assumptions that, oh, that person's just a drug addict or an alcoholic and it's their own fault and whatever. And then actually sitting down having conversations with people, it really challenged that. So um, the first person that we ever spoke to and I ever spoke to who was living rough um, was actually an old Trinity boy, and that really challenged my, right. you know, <laughs> right. um, you know my, my preconceived notions. So I you know, went to that school myself, and I found it really hard to fathom. There are people like that. <laughs> the hedge burners. Not. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, you know, really, for me, it was it was very confronting. And I, I found it hard yeah. to fathom that. I was like, how, how does this actually occur? And someone who's, you know, new same teachers that I didn't have similar opportunities and all the rest. But, um, so just without being too specific yeah. about that individual, so yeah. what, what was that for him or him, I suppose? So, him so, they, had, so they had a very supportive uh, network of um, friends and family. Um, unfortunately, they were suffering from a, a really significant mental um, illness. They had all access to be able to look after that, but they weren't treating themselves. So, you know, people yeah, have so to be willing to look after themselves. So hide, mm. hide from it a bit, yeah. So that was one of those things that, yeah, for me, it just it was really eye-opening. And, and then um, reality really set in. I'm like, there's no one, and we use the term, oh, a homeless person. Um, and then I sort of changed my attitude to be, well, no one is a homeless person. They're a person experiencing homelessness. Mm. You know, and we need to humanise that first. And that was the aim of the page, was yeah. to sort of go look at the person. And that homelessness is an experience and, and actually a situation people can get out of. And we'll delve into, obviously, how you can do that. But as we're talking about the housing, employment opportunity. Well, I, I, think, I suppose it's funny because I, I kind of think about it and that there's almost the majority of Australians can be broken up to one of two attitudes. You've got one who feel pity, sort of don't know what quite to do. But they walk past a homeless person they'll say something like, isn't this sad? Mm. The other is the, the classic, oh, they're a drug addict or, you know, like get a job or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Why do you think uh, people's... Attitudes towards the homeless are so simplified. I think, unfortunately, you know, there's a perpetration in the media, and, and mm. we're taking photos of people at their most vulnerable. And obviously, a couple of years ago, there was a major publication that produced this story around this individual who was obviously under the influence of, mm. you know, some substance. Um, obviously, not at their best, um, and they may have been experiencing a psychotic episode. Who knows? But um, you know, it's just the terminology that's used. It's mm. it's almost. Um, Unfortunately, it's it's an ugly issue. I think you know it's dirty and and, and those things and, and people don't want to sort of talk about these things because they make them feel uncomfortable. So that's a real real shame. Um, but I guess unfortunately, there hasn't been enough advocacy in the right place. So um, 116,000 people, most recent census, experienced homelessness on any given night in Australia. So obviously, it's bigger than the MCG on Grand Final Day, and I was there uh, <laughs> last year and had a great time with my old man. Um, and that's just, you know, it's, it's incredible to see. <laughs> I thought I saw you somewhere. <laughs> and um, So how many in Melbourne? So uh, Melbourne, actually, I actually don't know the amount in Melbourne, but I think it's, it's definitely over 20,000. Recently, they did a street count um, in, in Melbourne's municipality. It was over 400 people who were living rough. Um, but the big thing to note about that, though, is out of that 116,000, I think it's, it's less than 10,000 live rough. So, you know, there's more than 100,000 people in the country who are experiencing homelessness, but they're not on the streets. They're couch surfing, sleeping in cars. Mm. There are various forms of homelessness. Yeah. But the, the most interesting thing is that it's, it's very complex and it's such a complicated issue. And we obviously often, our attentions are drawn to living rough, which is really important because it's, it's, it's such a terrible circumstance someone's in. But the, the bigger issue is almost behind closed doors and we don't see it, we don't talk about it. And that's someone who might be fleeing, you know, to say a domestic violence situation, living in their car, because that's the only safe place, and it's not really that safe, obviously. Mm. Um, but homelessness, it's, there are various terms and classifications. Um, someone can be sleeping in an overcrowded dwelling, and that can be you know, a classification of homelessness. So the issue itself is, is unfortunately misrepresented. So, so it's something like, um, you know, c comparing things, probably apple and oranges, but, you know, you've got employment, you get people who are underemployed, and pe people are, you know, unemployed and that sort of thing. So yeah. categories of homelessness is a similar thing? Definitely. And I think, unfortunately, um, the, the approach as well, it's every person, you know, is a person, and, and we yeah. can't sort of put them into a classification as such, yeah, but obviously they might fit a criteria. Um, but, yeah, there's various forms and experiences, and each person is unique to their own. So that's the thing, I guess, is often misunderstood. Um, and, and for me, the approach is very much on a case-by-case on a -case basis, one person at a time. Let's, let's address the individual in, in a comprehensive manner. So, you know, social, emotional, financial. That's a means of actually being able to ensure that, I think we're, talk, we're obviously talking part of this discussion, it's a good way of actually ensuring that you can almost nip it in the bud if you can quit those 
for that person with, with all those resources. It's funny, when, so the, big, the bigger picture is, so there's lots of stories around it. Yep. And, and we see it, and we know there's a lot of reasons. Some of them are those obvious ones. Mm. People have just fallen, you know, a bit of bad luck. Things happen and all of a sudden they are. Absolutely. Some people have chronic problems. They may be you know, alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever, which is, you know, makes it hard for them to do all these sorts of things. But mm. there's so much kind of help out there. But yep. somehow it feels as though we've got to garner it somewhere. There's mm. got to be some, some political mob somewhere have got to have the balls to say... We, we're actually going to deal with this. We're going to we're going to beat this. Mm. And actually, you know, because the millions and millions of dollars we spend on all sorts of things, you reckon we might just spend millions and millions on making sure people have got somewhere to sleep? Yeah, well, yeah, it I just mean, seems that they. I mean, I don't know. It, it's maybe maybe I'm think, kidding myself, but it just seems that it, why don't we just have a decent crack? Yeah. Do you think it's because it's unpopular policy to throw money at public housing, or people just don't have the amount of empathy required, or they don't yeah. really care? I don't know if it's it? empathy. I think it's just the fact that it hasn't been brought to their attention. I think like the the um, perception is is that of someone who is you know as we talked about that association of drugs and alcohol. Um, recently, I think more housing. Um, which is a really reputable pharmacist service provider um, release, and they do a lot of research in this um, field. But out of that 116,000, the reality is only 6% of that uh, are experiencing homelessness as a result of drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah, that's right. The so, hard stuff, yeah, with the hard stuff that fits. So, lack of affordable, yeah. So, yeah. when they talk about, I think it's, you know, lack of affordable housing is, again, the solution to homelessness yeah. is, is housing. It's, it's really, it's a simple equation. But the same token, you can't just put someone in a place without a means to support that. So, it's actually ensuring that you build up the individual, you know, and as I said, it's a case-by-case basis. It is easier than done, and it's probably one of those things that could be quite arduous. But I believe that's the only way that we can actually truly affect real change in the shoulders. There's, there's a thing, I was talking to someone today, in you know, thinking about this, mm. and there's a thing called the good lives model, yep. which means that if if you reckon you've got nothing to live for, you've probably got nothing to live for, and you won't live for anything, if you know what I mean. So it's all about, I mean, how much help can we give all these people? And, and that, that might sound like something that I wouldn't, William might say that's something that I wouldn't normally say because I normally say people should be out like armed. But you can just see that if, it, like, you know, and another thing we realise is that some time ago we closed all of the, the mental health institutions mm-hmm. to help people. We closed them because they're costing us too much money. So where the hell are those poor buggers? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, as you said, your your mate from Trinity who had all of the help, and the, but he had this mental health problem that he was just so almost not embarrassed about, but didn't want to deal with. So he, he becomes part of the problem. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying he should be in that institution. But when there were institutions, surely a lot of these people were at least had, there was some sort yeah, of access. Some access to them. And, and even if it, you don't put them in, in the place, at least you, there were people there to help them. Are they, I mean, those people I know are still around, but mm. we just need people to be able to walk up to someone and help them again and help them again and help them again, because then maybe they do. Maybe there is a purpose. Maybe they do find the way out. Yeah, sort of stuff. yeah. and I think you know, also in answer to your question before, Will, about like why there isn't more accuracy and support. Some of those things, I think that a lot of the time we don't react to stuff until it, it tangibly affects us. Mm. You know, until it's on our front doorstep. Yeah. So if that isn't actually a real experience for us, then it's one of those things that well, there are other things going on. So I know that me personally, I didn't have an interest in you know mental health and illness until that you know was something that arrived on my doorstep. You know, so it was one of those things that I was previously different to it. So. It's it's quite a foreign concept for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually not too foreign because we're only, you know, every one of us, no matter yeah. what our situation, you know, it could happen to anyone. It doesn't discriminate, like mental health and illness. So, well, I, I worked at the Collingwood Footy Club for quite a while, and they, and I was just, I, know, I remember they they got a magpie nest program, which is there's nothing really in it for the club apart from doing something with yeah. the club, and they got a fantastic relationship with the Salvos and. And I know that they, out of that program, they facilitate 45 houses in Melbourne, which are all two or three bedroom or whatever. So there's 150 people sleep every night because of the Collingwood Footy Club. Yeah. Now, most of us who follow footy say, well, they wouldn't do anything good for anyone apart from Collingwood. Yeah, Club, yeah, that's what my dad used to say to me. Which is <laughs> clearly not true. But the fact that they do it, and, and their relationship with the Salvos is that strong. But they go, well, there's something, let's try and do something. Mm. And that's only, that's one footy club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've obviously seen the opportunity to make a bit of a difference. And they could easily not do that and do something. No one's saying they have to do it. Mm. But we all need to do something like that. What's well, just so prevalent now, and it's increasing, yeah. you know, most, uh, yes, it's absolutely, I think the most recent census has been the last one, it's, it's been a, a more 
few thousand that have actually. You know, you'd wonder how what, what you know we live in such a good part of the world. Melbourne's a great place to live. Most livable city in the world. Most livable city in the world, <laughs> as long as you go to home. Yeah. Um, and also, and we kind of know, oh yeah, we can't, we can't fix that. Somehow we've got to fix it. Don't oh, we? absolutely. Yeah, that's why I'm, hence why I'm sitting here. Obviously, I'm very passionate about that. And and I guess another um, point that I think is really interesting is that out of that 116,000, 42% are under the age of 25. So it's the biggest percentage of people experiencing homelessness yeah. are young people. Um, and it's 28,000 young people between um, 12 and 25 who are experiencing homelessness. So they're huge numbers. Um, and that's why we're focusing in, in that space because it's almost one of those, as I said, trying to break the cycle. It might sound a bit romantic, but if we can ensure that these people who are in position right now won't end up experiencing chronic homelessness, then hopefully we can almost break that, that cycle. I know it sounds a bit idyllic, but... So there's a lot of that, the fact that they're young is because they don't, that there is that divide between them and their parents, or is, is it, I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting it's all domestic violence. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's certainly... But it, even if it's, you know, domestic discord, if you like, you know, mm. they just don't, they just, I don't want, I don't yeah, want yeah, to yeah. that anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, you wonder how that can happen sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is quite, you know, uh, confronting almost, yeah. and, and wondering how that can be the case. But yeah, a lot of the time, you know, it is that family breakdown scenario, or there is an instance of domestic, you know, abuse or violence. So, I um, mean, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, and, and these people, you know, a lot of them that we speak to and work with now, as I said, it could just as easily be me. And that's the really scary thing. And the thing that I think is often misunderstood, people think it's, it's quite foreign, but it's it's really, you know, one or two steps away for each person. Yeah, so in terms of the breakdown, you mentioned before the percentage of people who um, are homeless due to a drug dependency or an alcohol dependency is yeah. quite relatively low. Well, in the scheme of things, um, it is, yeah. Yeah, so, so what are the other, like in terms of the breakdown, is there a breakdown of what the number one reason or the mm. top three reasons? So obviously the leading, yeah, you know, lack of affordable housing is, is always at the forefront, which is very true. It's, it's pretty hard to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nearly uh, every real estate project we see is, is the one to, this is better and we're going to make money and sell it for the yeah, which yeah. I, I kind of get. Yeah. But it shouldn't all be that. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's very hard out there, yeah. And, then, and obviously, yeah, look, the, the, um, the domestic violence situation is, 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 is usually sort of follows suit there. Um, and then also the mental health stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's probably the, the top three. It's it's ironic that, say, a, a Jeff Kennett, for example, was the premier at the time we shut all our mental institutions, and now he's running Beyond Blue. He was, yeah. he was. Oh, well, involved. Yeah, like, but yeah, he's no, certainly, he was, certainly yeah. very mm. empathetic towards Beyond Blue, I assume, mm. um, which is all about helping people with mental health. And, yeah. And I, don't know, I don't know how to see how that connects. But I, I suppose, and this is not having to go with him personally, but what it does is tell us that at that level, at the macro level, it's hard to know the answer, but somehow we've got to do something. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think understanding is the first thing, because we can get more yeah. understanding first, and we can get that empathy developed, but also deploy resources in the right place. Because it's, mm. it's easy to think, oh, you know, I've got a dollar here, I'm just going to put it there. Mm. But if you know the right place to put it, where it's actually going to have that, and similar to that, I guess, mentality of the, the school in Cambodia, about, well, that's a really good, uh, yeah. you know, common yeah. sense that, means that, of that doing something. That might from happening again, right? exactly. rather than... Fixing what's happened. Absolutely. Is that with you know social enterprises these days uh, in terms of the transparency and mm. uh, I suppose how hands-on they are? Do yeah. That, that, is that I suppose part of the evolution of the charity? Yeah. Uh, well, that, that we used to know and the charity that we now know. Well, there are various forms now. I mean, you know, we could, um, for instance, there are different models. Like we could obviously use our um, our proceeds and, and, and deploy them elsewhere to another organisation that was doing great work. Um, but but I think a lot of places now are really trying to ensure that quality control. Uh, make sure that, mm -hmm. and for instance, that's something we really pride ourselves on, is, is the quality of the program. It's very unique, um, and it's something that hasn't been tried and tested as such um, mm -hmm. in the sector. So um, it's one of those things that I like to think, well, from my perspective, is, is a very common sense, you know, collaborative, comprehensive approach to this, this issue. Um, but at the same token, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the distrust and, um, and, and they're just, there are varying models, like a social enterprise, they're also different. Some give fifty percent, some give hundred, some give X. You just, you know, it depends on the, the place that you're looking into. So, um, you know, I think they're, each and every one of them do you know, fantastic work, and it's a good way to sort of, uh, you know, and almost garner support and actually tap into, for instance, with our streetwear clothing, a clothing store. It's usually that you know, demographic of people that we think are disinterested, you know, and, and trying to get young people engaged. Have you much in triple extra large? <laughs> we definitely sort you out and fill the boys as well, I'm sure. But, um, you know, we've done some really cool partnerships. One was with the Ladder Foundation, which has had a strong association yeah, with the ACL yeah. and the mentoring. So, um, yeah, no, we, um, yeah, we're, I guess we're trying to make it really easy for someone to make a contribution, but also um, make it very clear in their mind about 
where that dollar's going. I think the thing I like the most about what happens at Homey, obviously it's small scale, it's one store right now, and now we've got the partnership with Cotton On when we have more work placement. But when you go into the shop and you purchase item of clothing, um, obviously our, a lot of our floor staff are, are interns, who are the young people who are you know at risk or experiencing you know, a form of homelessness. You go and you buy that, um, that product, not only is the you know there's a financial contribution, but also the customer experience and interaction when you go in there, like you're directly benefiting that person's learning by yeah. actually being a customer. So that's something I think is really nice, and that's the tangibility. And you know, I reflect back on that trip again, that bike ride. It was just that that transparency element, which is really important to us. But yeah. people are becoming increasingly curious. Yeah. I mean, we recently um, sourced all our clothing and our garments from um, a, a really respectable uh, and, and highly regulated wholesaler. But um, because it was made offshore, a lot of our consumers, you know, were demanding questions that we, we couldn't go over. They didn't have the means to be able to go into the warehouse yeah. and find out what's going on. Yeah. And we can't be supporting something. Um, here in Melbourne, it's, it's such an important initiative if we're exporting youth elsewhere. Yeah, so we actually yeah. recently changed our supply chain to have our garments produced here. So it's a good thing. Like it's actually it's make, it's holding us accountable. The customers and, our, and our, you know our supporters are ensuring that at all times you know we're adhering to what we say we're doing. So what? you do the same with say you've got a cotton on who are yeah work with the uh, Geelong yeah they really, do garments yeah yeah they really but they they were very very community engaged yes. And, Fantastic you're working with them. So, yeah. so what's the test on them? They, they get a lot of stuff made all over the world. Yeah, so they I mean recently they I mean, they're the global brand now. Mm. Uh, I know that they've certainly got a lot of their production in house, which is fantastic. So I mean I think they would certainly attest the fact that, you know, um, early days they were doing their production offshore, but they've certainly brought a lot of it to be local now, which is which is awesome. I just saw before I came in here, I was reading a post around they've just done a collaboration for an awesome sort of like tote bag um, with an indigenous artist for the NA. Which is which is awesome. So um, yeah, like I know that they are becoming very stringent, and unfortunately, fast fashion it's a very lucrative industry. Um, you know, and there's a really great documentary on Netflix called The True Cost, and that explores. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's right. quite it's quite yeah. uh, you know it's, it's fascinating. You know, it's a whole other kettle of fish. So um, yeah, I, I guess in terms of the best social enterprise and the accountability, like we just rely solely on the feedback of the consumers, and it's it's just to be as you know transparent. You know at all costs, it's so important. So what about um, in terms of going past the younger homeless, what about the chronically homeless in terms mm. of working with them or the stories that you've heard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what keeps them in that cycle of, yeah. of homelessness? That's a really good question and I guess something that I'm not as you know informed as I would like to be. Um, we, we made a conscious decision at home to actually focus on, on, on youth homelessness because I guess as I said, like we thought that from our perspective, really it was break, yeah. break the yeah. cycle. Um, and, and, and look, I think one of the realities is that unfortunately the services that exist there, there are a lot of them, but they're all just so under-resourced, you know, and the demand is so high, it's increasing, so they're just unfortunately being overwhelmed. Um, and, and there just isn't a, an easy solution for each person, you know, it's yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, and a lot of places are restricted by resources as such, so in, in order to achieve what each person needs, which I believe is that comprehensive look at that person on a case-to-case basis, it's very difficult to facilitate that. So um, I guess I know it's, it's quite frustrating, but it's just very complicated. And it's very complex. So well, it's a bit like that commu- the community response to um, the uh, injection. The rooms, yeah, yeah. So we all say, "Oh, that can't be any good because that condones drug use." Da, 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 da. Whereas, I mean, this is kind of the same argument. Yeah, like, yeah. These, these people have got this chronic problem. How the hell do we fix it? We're probably the first shot, the second shot, the third shot. I'm not going to fix it. But yeah. Maybe we get that out of the world. And it's the same as the objective wise. You say, well, I know they're, they're not a great idea because I'm never going to use it, but are they the right thing to do? Probably uh, yeah, it is. Probably we've got to accept that these people have got the problem. We can at least make it. It's harm minimisation. Yeah, minimisation. The problem there with the dialogue around that is is disgusting. Like you look at the Herald Sun a few days ago, and they had a big story about. The Herald Sun wrote something. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) know, It's probably. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. It's a political. Uh, mm. Political football, the injection well, 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 room, because well, the yeah, connotations behind it are we are, um, I suppose, empowering people to go use drugs, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is ridiculous. Well, it's the same. It's, it's the same. Yeah, politically, unfortunately, we're, we're in that position where, say, like, a, um, who's the bloke who used to be the leader of the Liberal Party, always making stupid Tony, what's his name? Oh, Abbott. He goes, Cole's a great idea all of a sudden, because politically, <laughs> the right politically says, yeah, well, that's okay. Why don't we do it? And it's kind of almost the same here. So you win the, you win that little battle. But none of that ever fixes everything. No. But unfortunately, that's the that's the way the political cycle works. That these people wouldn't give a stuff about 
and the sales had their own problem. They should have parents with more money or whatever that. <laughs> well, or, I, whatever don't, I, don't know. I don't know if uh, that's 100% fair. No, I, know, I know you're right, your priorities wise. So I know I'm being no, 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 I know, but I agree with you. Priorities wise, they're probably down on this, but I suppose maybe that's because the, the people they're trying to appeal to aren't as concerned. No, well, they're not. You know, or they're, yeah, not, they're not, not touched it's by It's almost getting off the subject, but it is the subject because yeah, yeah, politically yeah. this has to be resolved, and it won't be resolved if we're just fighting against this other stuff. Even, even yeah. what, what it, um, what's the idea in Tasmania? What did we say? They're going to spend yeah. $25 million on. Football, football in Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, know, I think that's a fantastic yeah. thing. But at the same time, you're right. Where where can the resources actually be spent mm. um, better? But I suppose that's the that's the eternal argument, isn't it? Every time someone spends money somewhere, they go, "What about that's where?" Yeah. yeah. And yeah. again, I, I don't want to be seen to be arguing against spending money on football. Mm. <laughs> but you do wonder sometimes. Does Tassie need twenty five million dollars to? To put football down there so they can keep arguing about whether the game lives in Hobart mm. or lives in Launceston, because mm. that's almost the inevitable outcome of it. Well, that's, that's a question for you, Nick. In terms of you know government policy and that sort of thing, people are frustrated by it. Yeah. Is that why there's such a rise in social enterprises, or you know, yeah. let's say you're a concerned citizen? Oh, yeah. I think people just roll their sleeves up, you know, and going, well, like, let's just have a crack here, and we certainly, you know, there is, there's, there's, there are so many. Well, that's a far better way of putting it. No, no, I'm not, because I wanted to put it back on the There are some, fact, some issues out there that, that, that are existing, but it was one of those things where we wanted to try and see where we could add value. There wasn't any purpose in us opening up the soup kitchen, because there's already, yeah. you know, countless yeah, of those, yeah. and, 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 you know, and they work extremely well. But there was certainly, we identified an opportunity in the market, if you will, mm. to, um, you know, provide a unique offering that actually added real meaningful value. So, yeah, I think it's one of those, it's just a case of, for us, um, you know, we were almost unhinged, um, and, and it was almost like real tactics, which really played in our favour. It was almost by the by the streets, for the streets. It was this real uprising, and you know, it was young people, and so that's that wave certainly really held us in good stead. So. And, and the more important part of it probably is that it wasn't just raising funds for something. Yeah, yeah. Saying, How can we do some things that actually provide opportunities to stop them happening again, etc. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And we're not, and you know, one of the things I think that's really important is that we're not. Um, limited uh, you know we, we can actually be adaptable to to you know what we need to be doing so we're not bound by this policy that stipulates that we have to be doing x like we can actually just be reactive at times to you know the situation and, and what that individual requires which is really good so I'll, I'll, i think that's a much better approach is actually just working you know and walking alongside the person as opposed to, to leading them absolutely yeah. so, so how do you actually advertise to uh people at risk young people at risk yeah. to work within the store to Yep. Have that opportunity. How, how does that come about? Yeah, so it's, it's through some partnerships, that, uh, I guess, of just, you know, we've been, um, you know, through the exposure that we've had thus far, um, we, we actually started out by um, distributing uh, clothing. Was our, was our big thing was like a one for one clothing sort of type um, right. experience. So we actually um, host, and we still do VIP shopping days in our, um, in our store where we invite homeless to service. So it could be, you know, clients from the Salvos, or I mean, there are various services that exist. We have a lot of youth specific services now. Come in and shop for free. So when you purchase, not only is contribution, there's the, the training and employment component. There's also the provision of goods. So um, we actually invite the, the clients to come in, shop for free. So they get to choose um, five items of, of our clothing, which is obviously brand new and, and good quality, and we'd like to think looks pretty good at their own discretion. We have barbers on site and, and makeup artists and our technicians, and it's a real pick me up sort of type of experience. So through that, we establish a lot of relationships because we're having services come in. And then we started having some new specific services and um, the feedback from these young people was, you know, had a great time on this day, really enjoyed it. I want to do something, to be honest, I'm, I've got a lot of time on my hands, I'm pretty bored <laughs> and I'd love to learn how to just do this because I just don't have any work experience, I've tried to get jobs everywhere. We had a guy last week who did some work with us, who's applied for 300 jobs mm-hmm. um, and you know, got an awesome young guy, I mean, you know, you have this assumption, you go, well, there must be something wrong. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing wrong, just a really, really genuine, nice guy, but Unfortunately, there's just this stigma and this preconceived notion, you know, that, that this person's not going to be a good worker. Um, yeah, where do you live? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we actually, the, the major places right now is, is, is Launch Housing's one of the organisations, which, which has a FOIA program. And I think I really, really like that because um, that model started in the UK. And that's, uh, and we were speaking yeah, previously about the fact that it's one of those things you need to also ensure that that person wants to help themselves. Um, the FOIA program works in a way that each young person is provided with two years of stable support and accommodation, access to resources. Is that the swimming class? Yeah, I think it's swimming <laughs> class. Um, but, the studios uh, are letting you yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the audience I'm leaving now. <laughs> yeah. 
But, uh, <laughs> may well be the cheers, but they're a bit noisier. Than yeah. <laughs> but um, I think the thing about that that model is fantastic because they have access to and, and the resources there on site to ensure that each young person, you know, if they need to talk to a counsellor, they have that, you know, they can outsource or they have development workers on there full time. So essentially, it's like an independent living situation. Each young person gets their own apartment. Um, they have their own kitchen as such, but there's also a community kitchen that facilitate programs. Um, there, um, I know that Life Foundation a lot of the time come in and, and do a lot of mentoring um, in those places, mm. which is awesome. So you know, teaching you know how to cook a healthy meal or PT classes. A lot of the, I think um, Ellie Blackburn is doing a bit of work um, most recently. But I know Josh Caddy's done some advocacy work for, um, but which is awesome. And um, in, in that, the thing I like about that program though is that yeah, to, to actually reside in that accommodation, that young person has to be engaged in some form of work or study. So they actually have to be brought about the situation, which is really great. And what they're working them towards is getting into independent living. So that's where the homie program, there's a perfect mm-hmm. synergy there because we, we met this this program and these young people were perfect candidates because they were already very motivated. They got, they got that, step one, if you like. Exactly, yeah, step one, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not, not without their uh, you know, own individual, you know, yeah. um, you know issues. Really, exactly, yeah. but like, like all of us. And um, mm-hmm. it was one of those things where, for us, you know, it was a common sense thing. It was like, we need staff. It's bloody hard to get a job these days as a young person, even more so if someone's come from that background. So we're going to start doing that. Um, and that's essentially how the relationship has, has um, gone um, through time. We also are really lucky we have an RTO which lives in Cert 3 in retail in conjunction with us, which is fantastic. So not only does a young person get paid, you know, casual award rates, they work on with them, and it's, it's pretty good these days. They also get a Cert 3 yeah, in retail accreditation, yeah. so it's something mm-hmm. for their... The resume, but as I said, the biggest thing, you know, it's it's not it's not all that. It really is like the personal development that happens and, and the soft skills, you know. Yeah, the, the, as you said, the belief in themselves. Self belief, it's 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 amazing. So we got the graduation tomorrow night for a, a, a previous three um, interns. Just, just yeah, awesome. One of the guys um, just wouldn't say boo when he first came in, um, and um, and now I mean, recently his confidence. Well, he just did it. He just did it. You know, an interview with um, SBS and on television, and it's just right. one of those things that you know to be able to get that person to that point where you know, and, and the, the sense sense of pride. I think that's the biggest thing is actually being proud of who they are, um, but also you know ensuring that that their past doesn't define their future. So. Yeah. That's been the number one place um, at this point in time, and um, and then yeah, we've actually identified a few other support services where we're able to pull young people. Um, so some who aren't living in the foyer program, but through you know might be living in an interesting housing situation, um, and um, and yeah, so we've we've got we've done three um, first uh, pilot, and then we've, we've had three more. So all six have been successful and gone on to maintain meaningful employment. Our first three have just actually moved out into independent living, which is fantastic. So measure of success is that they are, you know, going in the right direction. And then we've just started with seven young people on Monday. Um, so four young people being placed Start in spot on stores. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then within our own workplace. But the so, whole thing, so yeah. it can happen. It can. Yeah. Yeah. Just just having a go of it. I've, I've been paying a lot of interest to, I don't know if you've attention to like tiny little houses that's sort of the, the oh, minimalization is yeah yeah minimalization yeah, like another Netflix docker that's pretty cool yeah, yeah like yeah. a few a few of those things with like um in terms of initiatives in public housing mm. um and then you look at places like you know, even la they got big camping grounds of homeless which is yeah, not yeah. not ideal at yeah. all but in terms of like um legislation revolving around say um, little houses, not little houses, but just houses that are quite sustainable and easy to live in for people who are yeah, yeah. either sleeping rough or, um, mm. as you said, another category of homeless. Um, have you been paying attention to any of those? Yeah, I certainly saw an issue. Someone, an old schoolmate of mine, contacted me um, and they were writing a piece, I think it was, it might have been New South Wales, um, and they were looking at almost like a mini community right. setting up. Um, and obviously in the past there's you know there's been attempts as such. One of the things I think to consider is we've had instances where they've, they've you know trialed these kind of things and you know you get the wrong balance between people in a, in a place. Usually mm-hmm. you can't get one person into their own place, it's a share house of a tough situation, yeah, and yeah. then issues kind of rise. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 really, really tricky. Yeah. Um, and I don't have an answer to it to be honest, because I just don't know what <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so what would work. It's, it's a trial and error, it really is. Well you're right, the uh, issues of people coming together, I mean that's the thing that's it's so complicated in terms of people's, you know, mind headspace yeah. and uh, and how they actually interact with others and whether that would work within a small community. It's mm. not like it's gonna be a yeah, as you say, it's yeah. Like a one shot and because that's another element. Like it's, it's mm. building a community is is a totally different project than trying to get people into housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or to get them to confidence, confidence yeah. themselves to get a job, or so they're, they're all. I guess that's why it's so difficult. It's because the next step is all. Oh, that's a whole new 
project. Mm. <laughs> Another project. Yeah, I feel um, like it's a bit of fish, fish ball though, yeah. almost. And like, yeah. I think the approach yeah. should be that the teacher, teacher man or woman or yeah. whoever, however yeah. that person identifies to fish. That should be the approach. And you yeah. know, that probably yeah. is for me to measure where it is. Yeah. Similar to like, I suppose the big issue have a pretty similar. I mean, that's it's a great such, model. such a massive. Oh, it's awesome. Um, force within Australia and the UK and, yeah, yeah. and all of that. So that's similar in terms of, you know, they're not just giving them money. It's like, oh, you've got a job. Yeah, yeah. It's a good business model as well. You know, I mean, for them, obviously, they have to be able to, I mean, they have journalists and, and produce the content and, and have a competitive, you know, um, offering, and, and especially, you know, with magazines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's quite yeah. difficult. So um, for, for them, I think it's it's $3 to the vendor and $3 to the, the business. Yeah. Um, but I really like that once again because, you know, each person, like, they're, they're actually almost becoming their own entrepreneur, you know, they get their own little section of the street yeah, that's right. and it's, it's their place and it's, it's really great. So we're, our first ever VRP day where we had the services was with big issue vendors um, and that was really cool. Well, that's, yeah, absolute admiration for them. I think it's a really savvy business model. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's getting that person, it's, even if it isn't, you know, um, not selling countless magazines as such, it's getting that person, you know, out of bed in the morning or wherever mm. it is, they're, they're up, they're interacting, they're engaging. And it also makes them visible, you know, with the high viz sort of type, yes, you know, they right. actually... Yeah. Happy, to, happy to be looked at, whereas yeah. probably half the time they're, they're trying to hide from oh, yeah. themselves in a sense. Yeah, and, and, the, and the feedback a lot of the time, you know, we'll, we'll walk past, you know, previously did that myself, and just wouldn't engage with someone, it's, it's almost like they don't exist, so actually, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a purpose, yeah. it actually provides yeah, purpose. Yeah, that engagement thing, that's massive, yeah. isn't it? So like, important. Engaging them in life and... See, they've read the good lives model. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that's right. It's all about it. It's the same it? with education, yeah. same with everything. It's yeah. If you engage someone in something, they're going to feel like they're part of it. Well, hopefully feel like they're part of it and buy in. Absolutely. So, mm. so what, are, what are three of the, uh, I suppose, three of the biggest surprises from working with Melbourne's homeless? And, mm. Or three changes in attitude? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, obviously, was just... Um, my own assumption around, you know, that, that, that homelessness, the representation was living rough, but knowing that the, the, the bigger, you know, portion is, is behind closed doors. So that was one thing for me that I just found to be, you know, quite, quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess also the, the assumption that the people who we engage with or that young person who's at risk or come from an interesting background, whatever it is, aren't going to be a good worker is, is just being completely yeah. <laughs> diminished, you know, yeah. through, through, and that's awesome. Like, it's, it's the most accountable, um, diligent, and I think it's something to do with that person knows what it's like to be, sorry, knows what it's like to be, you know, on the um, yeah, other end of things. They won't be any good. It's, and and, and they're, so they're, you know, they're hard at working and then anyone, they know what it's like to, to be in that situation. So that's, that's two. The third <laughs> one is leaving me, I'm just going to think, um, I, I guess just for me, Youth homelessness. I just, I, you know, I couldn't believe the fact that the biggest percentage, you know, forty percent of hundred sixteen thousand, mm. you know, uh, it's sort of zero to twenty five years old. It's, it's just crazy. Mm. Um, but it just doesn't discriminate. That's one thing I've learned is that it could just happen to absolutely anybody. So, um, yeah, there are three sort of key learnings that I've, that I've found. But I also, you know, I don't want to say <laughs> sound doom and gloom, but, but homelessness is just complicated. It's just a complicated issue. It's a very complex you know, situation, uh, and each person, you know, has their own story and has their own needs, wants, goals, dreams, so to try and, like, pull everybody together and go, this is the solution, unfortunately, it, it's going to require, not unfortunately, this, I believe, is the, the means it needs to be taken, is a one person at a time, case by case, to ensure that we affect lasting change. So what about, this question for both of you, and I'll ask Neil first, then you, Nick, because I think it's, it's something that We've all thought about a lot. Mm. Like you walk past a busker and you probably give them money, but you walk past a beggar who's mm. sitting there with maybe a sign saying, God bless, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, do you give them money? And uh, if I said God bless, I probably would. <laughs> but no, it's actually it's an interesting question because you think, is this just a waste? Am I wasting the time? Like, what, what's this bloke's problem? What is he just trying to scam a few bucks off me? Now, I'm... You know me well enough to know I'm probably the softest-hearted bloke around. Yeah. Trust me, yeah. So I do every now and again. No, I, I would more more likely than not, I would, but not all the time. But, and, but it's a bit like you know, you get the phone call from someone who's who's selling you the, the most, you know, a really significant charity, you know, for health or something, whatever. But you'd get the phone call out of the blue, and you go, if I if I give. To everyone who rings, I'm going to finish up the one mm -hmm. ring and looking for some people to help me. So you, you've got to, it's hard to get it in perspective, and particularly when you hear what you say, you say, well, this, we should all be doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. but we can't all be doing what you're doing. 
That's right. And we should all, when someone needs something, we should be able to give them something. But um, I'm not, and then I suppose if I lived in India and I gave something every day, I'd only last half a day, for example, because yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot more issues yeah. there than there are here, for example, using India as an example. So it's a good question, and I'm probably not quite as generous as I should be, but more generous than some people would be, I would have thought. Maybe another way is that I, th I think um, one thing to note about you know the, the, the begging situation is obviously that unfortunately there are some you know, people who are genuine scammers, and, and you can't go up to someone who is yeah it's at your own discretion whether you do decide to you know provide some loose change if you do or not. I, I always if I have loose change I would. Um, at the same token, I don't give it to saying you need to spend this on getting a healthy meal and you know or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I I have peace of mind knowing that they're going to spend it on whatever they want to spend it on. It was yeah. interesting um, even when we were having those interviews with people. Um, one the, the feedback was you know, a lot of the time we're offered Maccas and, and HJs, which obviously you know, uh, I'd, I'd love to have that <laughs> every day. But if you think about that, every single day you've been offered that, it's not nutritious, healthy food, and they've been offered food, you know five or ten times that day the same thing, people mm. can get offside. Imagine if you went up to someone and you've gone and bought them a meal and they say, actually, no, I'm, I'm fine, thanks. Then, you know, you're offside by that. But if you have to understand that actually this person might have been offered this five or ten times today and doesn't want to eat, you know, junk food again because it makes yeah. them feel crap, um, that's that's certainly an interesting thing that I had never sort of, you know, thought about. Um, but when I give my, I, I do if I have changed. If I don't, I'll just say, look, I'm really sorry, I don't. But I always um, just acknowledge. I always just sort of just, like smile or say hi gently, because um, I think um, from the feedback once again, just through having those conversations with some of the people, is that just not being acknowledged their existence is the worst part. It's just mm. you know feeling like you're invisible. Yeah. So I always just like have a little, little smile, or, and then if I have some, I would. But I also know that I guess the most important thing, the the funds going to go where they're going to go. That person's going to use it how they want to yeah. use it, and if yeah. and if they're going to use it on something that you know I might not condone, I guess for me I've certainly changed my my. My mentality and approach towards that, you know, if that's going to make their day a little bit easier, then I'm okay with that. So. Yeah, well, that's, uh, I guess when we're like that, we're like the people over here saying, don't worry about them, they can't be saved. Mm. Well, I suppose that we've got to be a bit more generous than that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I was, I've been thinking about it a lot because I've read in the big issue that that's the, the big, there was a, a couple of, I think, but there was one in particular interview where the guy said, the worst part is when people just, you know, walk past you and not even. You know, and I think that's, I suppose a lot of people carry around this whole notion of if they look over there, they're going to be somehow sucked in, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, like I suppose that that comes back to the whole managing their own finances and all of this, but then there's those other connotations of will they spend it on... Well, what about you? Are you handing money over? Well, no, 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 I bought someone a sausage roll the other day and it was the same thing of like, maybe this guy doesn't... You know, maybe he's vegan or something, you know? You're allergic to sausage rolls. Exactly, exactly. And that, that, and that came back to like, even I was with a mate and we were before footy, I'm like, do I buy him a sausage roll? Yeah. Do I do this? He's like, oh, do you reckon he'll... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's that whole toss-up where you're like, I don't want to offend the guy either. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I guess if you think about, like, does it make you feel better? Or, if, you know, if you were to go and ask him first, like, what could I get you? You know, yeah. then it's one of those things where, other than making you feel good, you know, they might just chuck it in or whatever it is. Mm. Like, it's, it's one of those things that obviously you jump to the conclusion that I always give him some food and that I feel good, I'm a good person because I've done that. But it might be the food they want. Or So that's the approach that I yeah. sometimes take is like, what, what do you actually want? What, what do you need? Yeah. And if I can provide it, if it's not too you know, yes. ambitious, then I will. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what, what would be your, uh, I suppose, like, say, you get it, you know, the classic, you get a magic wand and mm. you could, you could um, pick one thing to change or one thing to alter that would have a drastic, mm. drastic um, effect on homelessness in yeah. Australia. I think, to be honest, but I, I highly believe the first thing is just its attitude and understanding. Yeah. So it's actually to, to, to put that notion of someone being a homeless person, that that doesn't define them, that they're a person first and foremost. Once we get that understanding, I think, you know, and universal and the, and the consensus from everybody, that, yeah, okay, I, I get it. Like, I understand that, you know, X percentage of these young people and we need to do this or whatever. Um, then I believe that's going to actually enact the meaningful change and the contributions in the right places as opposed to people flicking their spare change left, right, centre mm -hmm. and throughout the consolidating to the right programs and places. Um, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. And a question for you, uh, Neil, and uh, this is actually a serious question, it's not just... Uh, I'll take them yeah. all seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose, um, what would you do, say if, and this again, as you said, is a realistic, um, maybe not for you, but for, for a lot of people, it's probably a realistic um, sort of idea, if something happened in your marriage, and then something happened with your job, and then a few other things happened, and the shame became, what happens if you're homeless by the weekend, 
what do you think uh, would be, I suppose, the first steps, or what would, what, uh, you know, what what do you think would be going through your mind, hypothetically? Of course. I'd say, I hope the phone works, and I've still got Brenda Noddle's phone number. I'd ask him for help, I reckon. Uh, but that's, I'm lucky in that, that I probably know someone who might be able to help me. I, I'm, I'm, you know, funnily enough, I've never thought that that would happen to me, so I've never thought too much about it. But it would be a tough situation. Just to, I can imagine how people do feel so depressed mm. about it because, mm. I mean, what we are, you know, the comfort of being able to go home, if you like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. is something if you, if you ain't got that, um, it is, it's no good. It's no good for sure. It's mundane and it's boring. Yeah. And it's, yeah. uh, you're waking up the same life and the same day over and over again. Mm. That was certainly, we, we had a, a friend for a long time who we met through, you know, various pictures of living up in the streets, but he said every single day it's the same thing. It's like I'm, you know, I'm going through years of my life and I'm going to die soon. And I'm living the same day over and over again. Yeah. I suppose realistically, if say it, say it happened to you, yep. Um, and having your experience, what would be the first thing that you would, what action would you take that you yeah. know is going to be helpful for someone who's so if I was living, living rough as such, I can't find myself experiencing problems on the streets. Um, there, there's a really great um, even like the information stands here in Melbourne. There's a helping mm-hmm. out booklet which is yeah, right. all the the services. I mean, and if you were pragmatic about it, um, but obviously, uh, Marcus... Most of them in that position, you're probably not. You're, you're, pretty, you're pretty tired, yeah. you're pretty lethargic. I mean, Marcus and I, by no means, comparison, but did two nights of, of living rough on the streets, just to experience it with five bucks, so we had Macca's cones the whole time, but we were just exhausted the whole time, and it was yeah. it was emotionally exhausting, because you were um, worried about the judgement, people walking past and pointing, and um, yeah, that yeah. was actually really emotionally you know, taxing, t- you know, so there are so many organizations you have to be good at navigating like you could in a day you could ensure that you've got some some food potentially a shower um, and some human connection but you have to have the, the drive and that's hard mm. every single day when you're exhausted yeah particularly if you have a you know, mental disorder as well absolutely so i mean i probably get that booklet in my hand yeah uh, and yeah. probably go to the hamadaba cafe which is you know yeah. the salvos around that and you get a free lunchtime you know feed and they do the dinners as well right. um and, and i think it's just you know you have to engage in those places like for instance, what we do, we can't provide that real clinical intervention stuff. Um, we leave that to the experts, but we found a way to actually just add some value and some meaning to, okay, we're going to do a small piece. We're not going to do everything, but we're going to just do a small element that will actually make a difference. Yeah, well, it's been fantastic having you, Nick, but we do have, I have the eternal questions or the pile of yeah, questions yeah. that I ask <laughs> at the end of uh, every every uh, interview. Um, sorry, conversation, we call it, don't we, Neil? <laughs> but, um, yeah, what do you fear? Mate, I used to fear, you know, I used to be really afraid of dying. Um, and then uh, I took a, a, a overseas trip with a mate and having a conversation with a few years to sort of say, well, you know what, like I've lived 25 years already and had some pretty cool experiences and, you know, um, had some great memories. And some people, you know, there's, there's people who are still born and you know, there's all these things you just don't even, I've been lucky to have the time that I have. I used to be terrified of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be really afraid of vampires and really. But that was my great fear, you know. I mean, not saying I'm not afraid of anything, but that the death certainly was, and it's something that I, I think I'm, yeah, now more accepting of. I actually, I can say I'm very, very similar to you, and very recently I've kind of got over that as well. Yeah. I mean, still fear, but you're right, that, that fear of dying, like it does sort of stay with you and probably stays with, well, stays with all of us. Mm. There's well, a point bad news for you. We're all going to. Yeah. I know, I know. I know. Yeah. It's, it's us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what do you hope for? Um, that's a really good question. What do I hope for? Um, I think, uh, for me, given where I'm placed right now and, and what I know of, you know, the situation, it's, it's every young person that we come across and, and hopefully... Um, that all these services do where we contribute in some way to them leading a healthy, happy life. Mm-hmm. The same thing, I want everything that, that I want for myself, for the, the people that we support and work with. What makes you happy? Uh, what makes me happy? Um, oh, I think the usual things. I'd like to go to the MCG on a Friday night, watch the Tigers play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew there was a good reason. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, my, my, my friends, family, my, my partner. Um, I'm a big movie fan. I love, I love yeah. the, um, you know, it's one of those things. I think it's really funny. I really love going to the movies and watching films or, or television series or whatever. Because I think, you know, when you're young, you have such an imagination, and then as you get older, reality sets in. So I love the escape of, of those things. I think that really helps me. Like it actually builds my imagination again. Um, so I was thinking about that this morning actually. I'm like, you know, <laughs> well, I lost a lot of it. So that, that makes me really happy. You still those things, yeah. Well, leads me on the next question actually. But what's the last book, film, or album that kept you thinking for weeks? Oh. Wow, 
Um, that's a really good question. It was probably going to be a movie, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's something that's really sort of stuck out for me. Um, I think one that had a real, you know, profound impact on me was, and that's, it's, but I have no insight into it at all, but that 12 Years a Slave I just found to be really interesting. Oh, I just thought that was just an incredible movie uh, and so emotive and, and made me feel all these things that was almost like I was, you know, I was angry and sad and happy yeah, and all those. Yeah, yeah. So that was something that just, yeah, it was just, it's it's amazing to think that these things happen and still do happen, you know, and, and for instance, the child trafficking, you know, these, these things exist in this day and age and homelessness, it's, it's quite, Crazy to think sitting in our positions. Yeah, is, that's that's the crazy thing about. How's it happen? How's it still happening? We've got to be able to do something about it. Yeah, definitely. And, and at least you are, and we ain't. No, so no, 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 that's the thing. It's, it's all I think having me on this show, so yeah, yeah, please, uh, I appreciate it. Don't put me in that. We are just you care. Yeah. Oh, okay, probably no, that's not. That's what the show's about, is it? Who do you who do you think is the most positive influencer? Uh, in the world today? Mm, wow, that's a really good question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> is it, it would depend on the, is it from my perspective or on the. Your, your, your perspective, from absolutely. Perspective, most absolutely. positive person in the world today. Oh, wow. I mean, I, you know, you always think I jump like a movie star or something like that, but um, I don't think that's the case. Um, <laughs> you know, play, they're only playing a part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think exactly. I think there is some. Um, but that can influence people, isn't it? Yeah, it can in a way. I mean, I think yeah, it's it's the everyday person. I think you know, without um, sounding too cliche, I really do think it is the person. Is the, the small gestures, like the you know, helping the person across the road, or my favourite thing, and the thing that annoys me the most. My favourite thing is when someone goes out of the way to help someone else and mm-hmm. do something they didn't they didn't have to. Uh, I'm almost hating when someone doesn't do that. Yeah. If they have the option to do that, and they don't do that. So and that's a beautifully simple way of putting the way to make life better. Mm. And yeah. It's so easy to be the RC who doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, yeah. But it's much easier to be the person that helps. So they're nameless, and they often are, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, the most negative, yeah. most negative person. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously pretty easy to jump to Mr. Donald Trump. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. something that sort of certainly pops up for mine. I think just you know, spreading hate and and, and and just so uninformed is is such a shame. You know, and also. Obviously, the sheer power that that person has an influence, but, but harnessing it in a way that you know, that just the I just think it's so, so you know unwarranted and unfair, and um, it's just such a shame that there is this adoring support from a large majority. But mm. you know, at the same token, the people that are you know suffering as a result. Um, yeah. So, so when you put that, so the principle of saying we want people to help each other, and that's what we admire most, and people who don't, we don't. And then you think, how the hell? All these people will play this group. Yeah, yeah, it's second country. In a way, like, and it's what are their choices and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. all part of it, but you just wonder. Oh, you have to, you have to. Yeah, we were there recently in the sex last year, and oh, geez, it was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's another world. And um, I'm not a political beast at all, but it's. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I think for us, you know, they're, they're just black and white. There's some things yeah. that are just, you just shake your head, you go, it's, just, it's black and white, it's right and wrong. And for some reason, people go to do the laugh. Um, what album or book would accompany your life story? My life story. Um, oh, yeah. Um, you, can, you can choose a f- film as well. Well, I like him. No, I like him. What's his name? I, you know what? It's funny. I really like, I think, I'm, one thing that's got me keeping grounded um, is certainly being able to have a laugh at myself. So I love Ricky Gervais. I think Life on the Road, even though it's a satire to the type piece, but Life on the Road, the ups and downs. And, um, so, yeah, I love that's a movie, obviously, but also. I reckon the songs are pretty good in it as well. So. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Probably something like that. Freelance? Oh, that's for the Freelance Freeway, yeah. Freelance Freeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good song. No, there's, a, there's one out, Life on the Road with David Brent, and he's got some classic songs. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A bit too close to real. To oh, the office, the office. The office. That, that one was, was like, well, it's like excruciating. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a recommendation from, I mean, your hometown's obviously not a bit from your home suburb or from yeah. just something, a little secret. It's like to do a little, little hidden gem. Um, I go to this little, there's a cool little, um, I love that playing basketball with like the, the metal ring, like the chain yeah, ring. Yeah, there's yeah. a little cafe tucked in back streets from all called Cohen Co. Cohen Co. Yeah, 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 no, 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 they got the little yeah. ring and my mate and I do the Sunday morning, we're doing the one-on-one at about 8 a.m., wake everyone up. But right, it's nothing right, right, that sound, not that it goes in that, yeah. you know the sound of the ball ring, the, yeah, the ching. Like, it doesn't happen that often for me, but, <laughs> but I love doing that. 
Bit of fresh prints, uh, West Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah.